0: From the banks of Dewey Lake, it's the Dewey Pod Monster. All right, welcome back. My name is John, and this is the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast. This is your weekly podcast about consumption. And with me this week is the host of the Dewey Pod Monster Podcast, and his name is Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? John, in space. No one can hear you scream. I also hear that no one can hear ice cream. You scream ice cream. We all scream scream. for ice cream. How we do that. So, Uh, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a fan of that. Whatever just happened there. I already took one shower today. I don't want to take another. So, anyway, I don't even know why you would have to take a shower because, all right, whatever. Let's just get
1: into it, John. Let's get. Let's get into it. What have you been watching this week? I watched a couple of things. Yeah. I watched a documentary called Spaceship Earth, which is about the Pauly Shore, Stephen Baldwin movie Biodome. Actually, it's not. It's about Biosphere 2, which is the real world experiment that Biodome was based on, the comedy Biodome, which I heard was actually it was based supposed to be on something. It was supposed to be a Cheech and Chong movie. Biodome was supposed to be Cheech and Chong, but it was. Pauly Shore instead.
0: Anyway, spaceship earth I don't know if that's an upgrade or a side grade at that point. Yeah, that that stage in their was career. Was that mid-90s?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Spaceship Earth was like but biosphere two, biosphere one was is Earth itself, but biosphere two is basically a big geodesic dome that they built out in Arizona. It was supposed to be sealed where it created their own oxygen from plants and Grew their own food. It was like this big experiment about basically like the precursor to living on other planets. The documentary is like two hours long, and they talk about I don't know. The first hour or so, they talk so much more about leading up to this experiment or these people that that they had in the biosphere. It's not a great documentary. I generally like documentaries, and this one they spent maybe twenty minutes on actual. The Biosphere, whereas the rest of it was like what happened before and then what happened after and some of the conflicts and the lead up to it and how they thought that maybe they were a cult. And it's just it just you'd be better
0: off just watching Biodome, to be perfectly honest. I was going to say, how does it compare to Biodome? Which one is the better film? I can't believe I just called Biodome a film. I've been
1: reading lately People were like, what's the worst movie that you've seen? There was like a bad movie subreddit and Biodome was the prime example. So maybe I'll have to watch Biodome to give you a
0: full comparison next week. You know, I just watched it a couple weeks ago. Why? Just something to have on in the background. I wasn't really watching it. Mm-hmm. It, one, did not age well. Two, it's like past Poly Shore's like weeds in the juice phase, but he's still kind of doing that. So it. Feels like Paulie Short is doing like a half ass impersonation of himself, and just some of the stuff that's in. I'm like, huh, yeah, th- these people would be if, if this was made now in current time, they probably would have been like canceled for making fun of mentally challenged people or something like that. That's how dumb these two characters are. They're not like fun dumb like a. <laughs> seth rogan or something like that they're just <laughs> uh, dumb are you saying they're mentally challenged their characters are
1: that's how, like how stupid they are they're, you would be like yes. there's no way now i need yeah, to watch it exactly well you know you've you've well pushed me into watching biodome i'll talk about it next week it was on tubi i don't know if it still is so other than that is there anything else this yeah, week i watched well i'm sure that you'll bring it up so i'll wait for you to bring it up but i played i played tetris 2 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, you're probably saying, two? I didn't know that there was a Tetris 2. It is an abomination on this earth. Basically, if you've ever played Dr. Mario, where they have the little viruses yeah. and you got to drop two light-colored blocks on it to Kinda wipe like it, it out. yeah, It's like that, except it's Tetris pieces. And I swear to God, every 10 levels, they do this little, you'll see this little animation. And it's supposed to be telling this story. And I, I haven't finished it, but I got to level 30 on the lowest setting and they give you no room at the top of the level to actually try and complete it. There are these little bombs that you have to clear out like the viruses in Dr. Mario. And at the bottom, there are these flashing ones. And when you, when you take care of the flashing ones, all the same light colored little bombs around the the board disappear, but they're at the bottom and you have to like, it is just, they have these pieces that break apart and you can move those around independently. It's I get so pissed off, but I sit and I play the same level for an hour trying to get to it. And you just have to have, you don't have enough time to focus on what the next colored blocks that are in the chamber are going to be. And you don't have enough time to move them around. And you're like thinking, you know, you're trying to like figure out where you're going to put these things so that you can make space for the next one and you can eliminate these little bombs or it's like, oh my God, it's, It is a it's a scourge on this universe. Whoever made this game just hates humanity and hates me specifically. I just have to have to turn it on myself on that one. But yeah, I I, like I said, I think you're going to talk about something else I watched, So I'll let you talk about what you watched and I'll chime in. If there's anything that you watched that I watched.
0: So I'm assuming you're referring to the show Winning Time. No, I did watch that too, but that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, OK. Well, I'm all caught up on that and I'm still kind of saving overarching thoughts on that because I, I think that might be a nice change of pace to kind of do an actual episode on still. I don't know if I want to rewatch the whole thing, but I think I have enough kind of crammed in at this point. But I know I text you about it earlier this week that I was pissed that I caught up to it. Before this week's episode came out, because it left on one of the best cliffhangers I've seen in a while, and it's a mid-season cliffhanger uh, and something that we can Google and find out about. Yeah, still so left my jaw like, what the fuck? So, and I like how they're inserting. Captions in the middle of the screen now that say, yes, this actually happened in several spots. I think that's kind of funny. I actually,
1: it made me fall down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole watching things about like the press conference and that they talk about in the show. And I've seen interviews with players and they talk about stuff that really happened and didn't really happen. So that's, that's been filling up my YouTube
0: front page or whatever. I haven't gotten into that rabbit hole yet, but I could see myself doing it by the end of the season just because... Uh, We mentioned that before talking about that show. I'd love to kind of know what's fiction and what's not fiction in this show. And I just I don't. So that would be kind of cool to get more of a firsthand, um, almost like a commentary with that, you know, we'll see. So past that, I've really just been catching up on stuff. I have been watching a lot of the Untold docuseries that are on Netflix. Did I mention the Florida Gators one last week? I don't remember. I did. Okay, so I have now, since then, watched the... People wanted to say heroin, but it's not heroin. The steroids one. (laughs) Very different. Very different products. Very different. Similar, you know, method of injection, I guess, for some of them. But I watched that. That one's okay it kind of makes it without like going overboard on detail on that i it really focuses more on steroids in the olympics and kind of touches around steroids in baseball and of course they're like and and everyone in the nfl but they never talk about anyone in the nfl like that it's one of those show it's good it's interesting but it almost just that one's only like an hour hour and a half long and it's like you seriously just crammed like 10 years worth of crap into an hour. That you could have gone so much deeper on, and you didn't. So that that's kind of disappointing. But the guy who's like behind the big, like, I'm sure he's not the only guy, but the guy that they focus on for this Victor County docu series, yeah, him. I mean, he's doesn't strike me as that big of a criminal. It seems like he just found a loophole, and they decided to make it a law after the fact. More so, at least that's kind of how I saw it. But it's worth watching. I just I was hoping for more out of it, and then. I fell into the Logan Paul one, which is in there now, which I think is the newest one. And isn't it Jake Paul? I don't really. About boxing? They're both in it. Oh, okay. Okay. The one who's the. Logan's the boxer, right? No, Jake's the boxer. Logan's the wrestling. Jake's the. Guy. Okay. So Jake is the one that primarily focuses on his boxing career. It's all right. It's. I didn't really know much about either of them to begin with. I know of them, and that was about it. And this. Didn't really make me like any of them anymore. What I did like about it is there's a good five minutes that's broken of Mike Tyson breaking down how he loves him because he's a shithead and he's bringing eyes to the sport. I give a fuck. I want asses in seats. He puts asses in seats. And, you know, my worst Mike Tyson impersonation. No, that was spot on. I thought I was talking to him. Sure. Clearly. Uh, what did I watch past that? The only other thing I really watched this week was the movie Slasherette Party, which was from the same fine folks that brought us the movie Murder Size, which I believe I talked about last week a little bit. Was that the one that you were looking for? No. No, it's not. Okay.
1: Why don't you just tell me the movie that you want me to talk about? Yeah, that. I watched a movie that two of our good friends talked about on a recent podcast, BP, oh. Let's Talk Horror and Jordana from Pretty Killer Podcast. I think I know what you're talking about. Their most
0: recent episode at the time of this recording is about the movie The Void. I watched that too. And I've already like I think that's going to be one that we're probably going to have to go back on at some point, but Yeah, that's a it's a very underrated movie, and I would agree. So I don't want to go too much into detail on that because I think we'll talk about it again. But I will say I I definitely enjoyed it. I strongly recommend you go check out BP's episode on Let's Talk Horror, which features our friend Jordana as well, because I'll go into it in way more depth than we ever will. But talk about a uh, fun little use of a low budget film.
1: Yeah, that was really good. I was not. um, Yeah, let's not get too far into it because maybe we'll talk about it later down the road. But I didn't have high expectations and it kind of has similar vibes to the movie we're going to talk
0: about today in a way. A little bit. I'll say this because it will be far enough away. It reminded me more of Hellraiser by the end of it than it did what we're going to talk about today. But I, I can see where you're coming from with that. But we have a topic. That we're going to talk about today, that's not The Void. This is also a movie that has been talked about on the What's Talk Horror podcast, so we're going to take a crack at it. Also talked about by two of our friends, that was Boomer on that episode. But we're going to be talking about the original movie, Alien, from 1979, which is a, you know, moderately known film. I've heard of it. A couple of people have seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seen it or two. It's currently sitting at 98% by critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 94% by humans, I guess. Xenomorphs. Yeah, them. Which is insanely high for any movie on Rotten Tomatoes. It is the 156th most popular movie right now on IMDb, which is... Kind of impressive because I don't think there's anything going on with this franchise right now to kind of bump it up in basically the top 150 movies. That seems high to me, but OK. I thought that I had seen something about
1: not really arguing with. about Disney because they own the rights, I think, to this franchise now. About the, yeah, I thought that, oh. I thought I saw something about that. I could be totally wrong. OK, well,
0: I wasn't aware of that, but we always only- start with a third party review. And today's third party review is coming off of Rotten Tomatoes because it's short to the point. It's from Grace, and Grace gives us three out of five stars. I actually don't agree with anything she's going to say in her five-word review, but I'm going to read it anyway. Cult classic, but I don't care. Cult classic, but I don't care. Cult classic, but I don't care. Sung to the tune of Jimmy Crackhorn, of course. I just don't know that this qualifies as cult classic. I mean, how many people have called this one of, if not the best? I mean, it's a genre-defining movie. So I don't think it could be a cult classic if it's a genre-defining movie. Well, let me
1: tell you, I got this little movie you might want to watch. You probably never heard of it, but it's called Alien. Stars this person, Sigourney Weaver. Maybe you've heard of her. I don't Probably not, though. She's pretty underground. She
0: was in the remake of Ghostbusters, wasn't she? In 2016, the end credit scene. I didn't see it. There's a, What's well, Ghostbusters? It's this movie about ghosts. Busting makes you feel good. Busting makes me feel good. It does. What's this movie about? Is there a plot or anything on this?
1: Yeah, I've heard this really indie underground movie called Alien has the plot of a crew of commercial spacecraft encounter a deadly life form after investigating an unknown transmission. That's about
0: right to me. That's pretty concise and to the point, don't you think? Yeah. Leaving a little bit... uh, Yeah, but that's... A little bit... You know what, though? It leaves a lot to the imagination, which is good. If you somehow haven't seen this movie, so we'll say it now, spoilers, I guess, if you haven't seen this 45-year-old movie, basically, 44-year-old movie, so we're going to go in as in-depth as we want to with it, but this movie is... I like that they didn't ruin anything with the movie. They didn't tell you anything that's really going to happen, and... This movie plays really well because it is such a simple concept in a lot of ways, but it's just executed really, really fantastically well throughout. It's basically, I've heard a lot of people say this is Jaws in space, and I can see that because you have the monster that you don't see a lot, and the mo- monster pops out at the right time, but it almost feels like John Carpenter in space, too. It's like a mix of the two. Like, it's entirely one of those movies, that we've talked about these a couple times, that it's Alien might as well be French for tension because that's what this movie is really pushing. When you said popped out, I almost interrupted you
1: and said, no pun intended, it pops out. But yeah, the thing that I think that I realize movies that I really enjoy seem to, I mean, this isn't like a blanket statement, but movies that I enjoy generally have this thing where they give you as much of the plot up front as they can give you. This movie starts with a shot that basically gives you the plot, says, hey, this is a ship. It's a towing ship. It's called the Nostromo. It's got seven crew members and they're going to go check out this. They're they're heading back to Earth. Where are they going? They're heading back to Earth. The movie starts out. You find out they're going to check out this distress signal. They don't tell you any of their names. It's not like they don't have this, like, thing that says Ripley and Dallas and all these people's names. They just, they interact with each other. I don't know
0: why I'm picturing. I'm picturing, like, sitcom cheesy music and freeze frames as they're singing in the park playing soccer or something Chicka to pop bad ow and i can't the thing exactly. that really
1: surprises me about this movie that i didn't i don't think i ever caught previously is sigourney weaver isn't top billing of this movie tom scarrett's top billing no sigourney weaver is second because this is like her big breakout role this is like her fourth i think her fourth role and in anything other than just appearances on TVs or TV on shows or in commercials. But I think this is her second role in a movie and her, obviously her big, you know, her first main starring role. And it's, you know, I think you look back on it and you just, for me, I just totally, I don't know. What is the word I'm looking for? I totally relate this movie to Sigourney Weaver. They're not, Oh, for sure. They're not, things that you can break into, that you can think of separately, they go together. So it was really interesting to see that she wasn't top billing in the cast. I mean, she was still second, but Tom Scarrett gets top billing in this movie. Yeah, that
0: probably speaks to the time more than anything. And obviously, I that that doesn't stick for the rest of this franchise. Really, I mean, Sigourney Weaver is so great in this that she really defines the... She's one of the pioneering, pioneering women that defines the concept of badass woman in film she's great and you really see her evolve as a character through this movie like she starts by the book like play it by the rules you know do whatever the protocol is for this ship and by the end of it i mean she's in charge she's kicking ass she's dealing with cats all that type of stuff (laughs) jones the cat gets more jump scares yeah probably than anything else in this
1: movie like jonesy is is involved in four or five jump scares i think throughout this
0: entire thing oh yeah yeah jonesy she he the cat is also involved in arguably the cat's also involved in one of the best reveals in film history because it's not done in a way that's so like built up by like dramatic music and like that kind of tension it's just quiet and subtle and bam there it is you know there's the xenomorph and in all its glory but we're, we're jumping around like we usually do so let's start with talk about the
1: cast here can we talk about the cast of this movie? Go for it. So we've got, as we mentioned, Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, top two. But this cast is very small. Like I said, seven crew members. And all of the actors in here are recognizable actors. We've got John Hurt, who plays Kane. He's He gets face hugged. His face gets hugged. We have Veronica Cartwright. She's probably the least recognizable of the cast. Harry Dean Stanton plays Brett, one of the mechanics. Ian Holm plays Ash, the medical officer, the science officer. Actually, I don't think he's a medical officer. We have Yafet Koto who plays Parker, who's another mechanic who kind of you see him a lot in scenes with Harry Dean Stanton. And that's really the cast. I mean, we have two other cast members that are playing as the alien the xenomorph and then we have the voice actor of mother who really only talks at the end of the movie to give you some some countdown information but that's it that's the cast this is directed by Ridley Scott first big film from Ridley Scott kicked off a big string of movies that you would think of Ridley Scott for this blade runner legend some other stuff he had directed other things but th- I think this was his second feature
0: film you know it's funny you say that because I love blade runner it's a great movie I've always loved it, um, but for whatever reason, whenever I think of Ridley Scott, similar to what you're saying with Sigourney Weaver, this is the movie that I associate with, and I know he's done a million other things, and some good, some not great, whatever, like most directors. This is the only movie that I really, in my head, attach his name to as like a great film. For and That's probably really unfair to him. Sorry, Ridley, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't know. It's... This movie is almost so strong in what it's, what it achieves that it's just kind of tattooed right on there for me that I can't, for whatever reason, when I think of him, this is the only movie that comes to my head for him. Like, so yeah, that's
1: all I got. Well, then we should also mention the writer, the main writer of this film is Dan O'Bannon, who's known for obviously alien aliens, Dark Star, which I think when we talked about Star Slammer, didn't they steal a bunch of scenes from Dark Star? And then Re- Return of the Living Dead are the, th- the four films that are on his IMDb that he's mentioned for. He passed away, I think, in the 80s. So anything really he's his name is on a lot of the alien films because he was he's credited for
0: creating these characters. But let's let's talk about the actual. Wasn't he a co-writer for Night of the Living Dead also? Isn't that how he got the name Living Dead attached to that, that Return of the Living might Dead? Might be way that might be before his time. Uh-huh. Dark Start.
1: Now he's got bloodbath these are at writing credits yeah bloodbath yeah that's what dark star alien phobia dead and buried heavy metal blue thunder hey blue thunder tv show okay let's get into let's get into a little bit more of the plot and i'm just gonna give a real kind of basic overview of what the plot is so the movie starts off like i mentioned earlier telling you about the characters. Basically, they're a bunch of space truckers, for lack of a better term. After the title card of the alien, that kind of has this really slow lead-in. You get all the backstory you need. The Nostromo is the ship. It's a commercial towing vehicle. It has seven crew members towing 20 million tons of mineral ore. It's on its way to Earth. The crew wake up from a hypersleep with orders to investigate a distress call by the company. The company is not named, but it is Wayland. And after the troubled landing, the crew an away crew is sent out to investigate this distress call. I think I said that. The away crew comes across a nest of eggs where one hatches and it attaches itself to a crew member who is Kane, played by John Hurt. They bring it back onto the ship, and uh, of course, hilarity ensues from there. But yeah, I mean, it's so that's within the first 25 minutes. You get to know the characters. They do this away crew. Some of the crew stays on the ship. And this is where you kind of... Sigourney Weaver is, like, second in command. She's top in command when Dallas, who's Tom Skerritt, is off the ship. And they come back with John Hurt with this thing on his face. And they're like, Protocol says that he has to be quarantined. And Ash, played by Ian Holm, decides to let them in. And he lets him in. And then they start investigating what this, this thing on his face is. And they realize that it bleeds acid. And, uh, again, hilarity ensues from there.
0: It's basically a string of, okay, we have to go investigate this thing. How can we... Continuously have the situation get worse from scene <laughs> to scene to scene, yeah, and some of it is stuff that's like you fucking dumbass, like why did you do like pain going and like poking the egg, like literally poking the proverbial bear, um as soon as he like goes out there and starts investigating the eggs, like if you've watched a movie like this, you're like, well, that guy's fucked, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's your instant reaction, but every little decision, like okay, so. The face hugger, which we don't know they're called face huggers, so later. But anyway, the face huggers on his face in his helmet, fucking him up. And right there, the smart move to do is to not let him on the ship, which Ripley is advocating for. Not let him on the ship because there's a bigger picture involved. There's you know the crew and the cargo, blah blah blah, whatever. And the cat. The bigger picture is that, and the human nature or the human element or whatever you want to call it allows this thing in the ship. So they're trying to save kane's life or something they don't really know what they're trying to do at this point but they're kind of they're trying to figure it out and as soon as they cut this thing's tentacle i guess like a finger finger yeah yeah finger tentacle whatever it is that as soon as they put like a, a blade on this thing and cut it like you mentioned as it squirts out of it it starts going through the hull of the ship and it goes through a couple several floors. layers of ship yeah again it's just a series of unfortunate events that just kind of compile <laughs> on each other yeah, you know, that's a way to put rapidly it. Rapidly through this movie. It's it works though. I mean, it's really one of those so much of what it's funny. Like we we just the way we just explain it, it makes it sound like a ton of shit happens in this movie. And it does, but it's also a ton of shit that you won't see so much of it in the shadows or so much of it off-screen. It's one of those movies that's playing with your mind and the paranoia of being alone in space in this case. Watching it this time, I got a lot of similar to vibes similar vibes to when we watched the thing a couple months ago not so much because just i mean i guess it is somewhere in that there's an alien and they're you know trying to deal with it but it's that same kind of paranoia of you're isolated you only have these several people with you and the thing there's more of the like the people are the enemy so you kind of or potentially the enemy so you don't you it's hiding in like plain sight in a weird way and this you don't really know what is essentially hunting these people but you know that it's it's going to be fucked up it's probably going to look like a dick and it's going to be huge and it delivers on what it, it promises i think the
1: the big i did think about the thing a lot while watching it this time too and with the thing it's Like you said, it's kind of this paranoia thing where they're all pointing fingers at each other. They don't know who to trust. They don't know who could possibly be the one that's responsible or the next one to be taken over. And this is, there is that paranoia aspect. There is that tension aspect. There is that constant ratcheting of tension. But the difference here is that the crew knows there's something on the ship. They know they have to work together to try and eliminate it. And the thing that watching it this time that really caught my attention besides how amazing like how beautiful the set design is there's different there are these different i was gonna bring that up yeah there's these different set pieces in the movie and they have all just these different kind of feels to them depending on where they are on the ship but the other thing about this movie that i never thought about before is how quiet the entire movie is there's not a lot of ambient sound there's not you know there's no wind blowing or anything obviously it's in a and it's in a controlled environment. There is no wind. There's no sound there because they're in space. There's no there's very little chatter going on besides like when the characters are in a scene. But when they're just kind of walking through the corridors, it is dead silent and you're you are very focused in on what is going on on screen instead of other things that could be distracting you with sound design or, you know, weird little noises. So when, when you do hear those weird little noises, it kind of catches you off guard a little bit. Did you ever get a chance to see this in a theater? I did. I saw this when it was released for the 25th anniversary. And I think 2004, they did a 25th anniversary tour or whatever. It was maybe a limited a limited run but i did get to see it in the theater
0: i never got to and i as, especially watching the i guess it's not the opening scene but like the scene where kane goes on to, to go exploring and spelunking or whatever and you kind of realize like he's on a gigantic alien you know yeah I, that or you know we mentioned the set design is so good in this scene and part in this this movie and part of the reason why it's so good is there's so many spots in the set and I'd be willing to bet that if if you did see this in a theater, you could probably almost pick it out a lot more than what we see you know, on a TV where the alien is almost just part of the set or the xenomorphous and they really play on that at the end of the movie. But I would love to be able to kind of this is a movie that again, I haven't had the chance to see it in a theater, but I would think if given the chance. This would get me out of the house and get me to go do it just because I'd like to be able to just kind of pick apart whatever Ridley Scott is hidden in the background of this movie, because I can almost guarantee you there's all kinds of shit all over the place that you just would never notice unless you're almost paying attention to the background more than whatever's going on in the foreground. And the set does such a great job because it's not like a movie like, this isn't really in space, but a movie like Tron, for example, which is a science fiction movie that Everything's so clean and pristine. And it looks like if there is like a speck of dust there, like you would notice it and almost want to go Windex it away or something like that. This feels so lived in. It feels so like, I don't want to say the word realistic because who knows? But it feels more reasonable than what you get out of so many, like, and again, I don't know if this is even supposed to be based in the future or not. will we'll just say for the sake of argument that it is. You get just such a different vibe from the living quarters the i guess it's a mess hall or the cafeteria whatever we want to call it anywhere that the movie really takes its time to go and show you you know everything is cold no matter where you go it's got this very cold overtone and it just it doesn't necessarily make you feel creepy in the same way like a haddonfield does or even antarctica does but it makes you feel very isolated cold and like just severed from any real chance of help yeah i mean when they have when they're in the med bay
1: when they bring Kane into the med bay the med bay stark white it's very it looks very sterile like you said the the mess area where they eat has the it's almost it's off white and you can almost see the the greasy fingerprints in between the cushions of things when they go on the planet it's very the ship design they find the ship with the distress call while when they're on the planet they realize that it's actually a warning the ship that the alien is in the the big alien that they go and they see that's petrified or whatever it's it looks organic but it looks industrial at the same time it's just it has this really beautiful just design in 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 total anyways hr giger designs the xenomorph the alien a lot of the stuff is is designed by swiss artist hr giger so Everything feels like it has its place, and each different section feels different. When Harry Dean Stanton, Brett's character, goes down, when they're looking for the xenomorph after the scene that everybody pretty much knows about that I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about, he's down in kind of like the, I don't know, the cooling bay or something of the ship, and the water's raining down on him. That's a different look than
0: than just the corridors or, or the vents. It's all different. With all the chains and stuff hanging out, it almost looks like a weird, like, space bondage room but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> your dominatrix will be out soon just in case you know right well eager was a uh interesting guy i guess so <laughs> yeah anyway so we we just mentioned it do you want to talk about the scene that we haven't talked about yet that is kind of the one that probably everyone remembers from this movie
1: yeah i think there's yeah we can talk about it. i think there's a couple that are real watching it again of course, you know, after several years. Sure. There are a couple scenes that are really freaky, I think. And one of the scenes that happens. Oh, for sure. The early scene is when the face hugger jumps out of the egg and attaches itself to Kane's face. That's that's kind of a bit of a jump. But I was like, you know, you kind of expect that you've seen. I've, I expect all of it. But yeah. Why don't you tell us about the a scene
0: later on down the line so i would go as far to say the most iconic scene in this movie is the mess hall scene in which kane miraculously comes back to life for a little bit you know they're they're running around the ship and they realize that they're kind of fucked and all of a sudden they're like whoever i don't remember who's running the the med bay but the doctor in the med bay is like radio's over hey you got to come check this out they're like can this wait and they're like no you really got to come check this out couldn't he just say like kane's up and moving around he seems fine like don't you think that would set off enough alert balancing as he just at his face fucked by this like vagina monster? Right. For God knows how long. Kane's okay. All of a sudden, and they're singing the cafeteria and they're all eating their kicks or whatever they're doing. And looks like they're eating Chinese food, <laughs> the bean sprouts
1: and stuff. I don't know.
0: There's one point where it looks like they're eating breakfast cereal. Might be the first time they're out of the, uh, Sleep or whatever. Anyway, basically, what you see happen is Kane is eating. He's fine. All of a sudden, he starts cho- not choking, but coughing a little bit. And it looks like he's having a seizure at first, which I didn't really put that together until I saw them trying to jam a spoon in his mouth. I was like, oh, yeah, they tell you, or at least they used to tell you to do that for people who are having seizures. I don't know if they still do, but don't take medical advice from Dewey podmaster <laughs> please. <laughs> Seek medical professionals for help. Yeah. Or jam spoons in someone's mouth. Whatever you got to do. Anyway, he starts convulsing and freaking out and whatnot. And we get to see a very small, you know, looking very like ivory colored alien just burst out of his chest in a really kind of well done like scene. And I I know what we're going to say is like, you know, they didn't this has been told a million times. They didn't tell the cast what was going to happen during this scene. So they got a genuine reaction, which is great. And it would have been even funnier if they had to do a second shot of it. But it's such a great scene because you got to keep in mind that this is 1979. This is not modern effects or anything like that. I really enjoy that when this alien starts to come out of his chest, it pops once and it sports blood all over the place. And he almost like sits back like, oh, I feel better now. Like if he popped a pimple or something <laughs> like that. And then it just gets way worse. And this thing just totally emerges from his chest and scurries off faster than the cat goes to hide. And grows up at a rapid pace, which we'll, we'll come back to that, but it's, it's a pretty, you know, I can't say that it's an intense scene for me now because I've seen it so many times, you know, we've seen it spoofed in Spaceballs and probably other movies too, so it's, I don't want to say that it's lost some of its luster because of the fact that it's, that I've seen it so many times. But watching it now, I'm like, as great as this looks, it's like, all right, I know what happened, let's keep it moving, you know, that kind of thing.
1: I know for me, it took a long time for me to watch, be able to watch that scene again. Like, it really creeped me out. The first, I saw it the first time when I watched it, obviously, I didn't know it was coming. But the next couple times, I'm like, yeah, I'll just look away when that happens, because it was just so kind (laughs) of out there. And now... You know, you you anticipate it. And I thought the same thing when I saw it this time was like, well, I wonder what somebody who has never seen this movie would think of this, especially for the time period where we are now, how far effects have come. It's obviously a practical effect, not a digital effect. And it it yeah jumps out and just scurries across the across the table and everybody blood sprayed all over the place. It's a really a really I mean, I think it still is pretty intense. But when you expect it, it takes a little bit of the edge off.
0: Yeah um it's again it's acted fantastically like everything's wonderful and how it's done and i wouldn't change a single thing in the scene i'm not trying to like make it sound like it's something that i'm i'm knocking but it's it is one of those truthfully this whole movie's kind of got that for me as i've seen it enough so that the things that scare me about this movie just don't scare me anymore just because I've seen it so much and it doesn't play back the same way that some other movies like the thing for example That's similar in that I've seen that, you know, who knows how many times to watch it. I honestly, I go back to the thing more than I go back to this movie. Maybe it's just because there's so much more on the effect side that it kind of keeps my interest better than this. But, you know, we'll come back to that, I guess. So I think the thing with this is that is that I look forward to all these scenes in Alien,
1: you know, not that I don't look forward to them in the thing, but in the thing, it still kind of freaks me out. Whereas in Alien, you you kind of know that they're coming. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's the scene where Harry Dean Stanton's not looking. He's looking for the cat and behind him drops down the xenomorph and, you know, all that stuff.
0: Well, I think part of it, too, frankly, is I and again, I didn't see these when they came out. Obviously, this one was out before I was even born. So I think I like the second one just a bit more than this one. It's a totally different vibe of a movie. And we're not going to waste a lot of time on the second one, but they flesh out character ripley so much more in the second one and really let her embrace being that strong female lead in the second one not that she's not in this one but it's like it's just amped up in the second one i think i've always had more fun with the second movie than the first movie and i i could almost make the argument that like in a vacuum the first movie is the better movie just if you compare them one for one but it's it's probably not the one that i go back to that might have something to do with it, too. They're In their own way, they're both very genre-defining
1: films. You know, this is the movie where... Oh, for sure. This is the thing where we get the the alien creature that kind of invades the ship, takes over somebody, and then hunts them the rest of the movie. And it's this very iconic sci-fi horror film. And film the second film, Aliens, is more of this... I mean, this is where the idea for countless video games were hatched, where we have the Space Marines... We have these, you know, these, this gung ho group of ragtag individuals and the company that's basically sabotaging the entire mission. Both movies actually do that. So it's this, this one, they both have this kind of social commentary of like these people, these workers are just pawns for the corporation to find their weapon. And, and I guess this leads us to the point where we find out the big kind of heel turn for one of these characters or the big reveal is that Ash, played by Ian Holm, also. Bilbo Baggins, right? I think Frodo Baggins is the other kid, whatever his fucking name is. We got, we have Ian Holm. Bilbo Baggins basically is, is an Bilbo, yeah, is an android. Who I guess he was that motherfucker. He is, he's the he's the scientific officer, and and he has been tasked with basically keeping it a secret that they went to this planet on purpose, this moon, to get the alien to bring it back to Earth so that Wayland could use it as a weapon so they can develop it as a weapon and when he that's why he lets that's why he lets kane in when he should be quarantined that's why he continues to let tests happen to this thing and he's kind of nurturing this thing indirectly which ends up wiping out pretty much the entire crew and the scene where he flips out where ash flips out And I think Parker comes and kind of saves the day and hits him with the the fire extinguisher or whatever, and his head pops off and the milk flies all over the place is another scene that's like this is for the first few times I saw it was a really super disturbing scene to watch because it's this thing that you would expect to be a person is actually not. It's, It's still acting and it's he's flailing all over the place, having a seizure of his own basically
0: did we watch another movie where someone tried to kill someone with a magazine because i was watching him like shove this magazine in her mouth i was like why does this feel so familiar like for something that we watch recently i can't think of it off the top of my head if we did yeah and so anyway you were absolutely right about ash he's this weird cog and the he's i'd say he's arguably the bigger reveal than the xenomorph because i mean the movie's called fucking alien you you should expect (laughs) unless it's contact you should expect to see an alien right right I think that's the bigger, not only the bigger reveal, but I mean, how much did that character do to, I mean, it almost redefined and set up a whole separate, like, sub franchise off of this franchise m- well down the road. And, We could debate all day whether those movies are worth watching or not. But the point is, not only did the Xenomorph spawn this whole industry of movie copycats, games, blah, 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 etc. This character went as far as to do that on his own. And granted, some of that's Prometheus, but how much of that is kind of baked into those games or baked into any of these other movies is some kind of form of AI that's being used for good or bad, whether it's a humanoid form or other
1: yeah i mean i think it's he's a he's also an iconic character that you don't really think about in this film i think you know watching it you're like oh yeah okay of course ash he's the android he's blah 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 blah. but i don't think that when most people think of alien that's a primary kind of theme that they think about it's it's more about probably not yeah it's more about ripley the alien the xenomorph the face hugger all that stuff Mm -hmm. but yeah it has that it's it has that that heel turn of a character that you think is a good guy, but is actually not such a good guy. And they, they kind of do it again in aliens, but that's for
0: another that's for another discussion. Right. Basically as this continues to ratchet, what we see is just tension going up again, series of bad things happening back and forth. Eventually we as we whittle through the casts and as they're dispatched one after another in typical horror movie form, we eventually get to the point where at this point i think parker ripley and isn't there one other person with them at when they decide to who's with them? lambert so, oh is it lambert okay oh yeah she gets for whatever she gets killed anally in this movie right yeah it's kind of off screen a little bit
1: but they infer that there's some kind of barbed apparatus off of the xenomorph that does her in
0: short story is they they decide that it's time to abandon ship and destroy the ship in the process and an attempt to kill the xenomorph with it or kill the alien with it as they're taking off no sooner than they say that of course like two of them die and basically it's ripley and the cat (laughs) fucking cat it's ripley and the cat because we need one more jump scare right (laughs) and they kind of fast forwarding cliff noting this they basically make it to the ship to the escape pod blast off and even this time i still found myself like that fucking alien's just gonna like jump off the main ship onto the escape pod and that's thankfully not what happens because when you do see the full alien like standing up it it doesn't look as good because the costuming just wasn't there yet like it it looks good from like a shoulder up standpoint but you don't really want to see this thing's legs they look kind of goofy we get into the escape pod and ripley takes off the cat's being a dick again gives us one more jump scare as we look over and see that kind of Instead of jumping onto the ship with a glorious alien version of the atomic elbow, the aliens inside the ship just kind of cooked into the wall, blending right in, being creepy and weird. And you get like one last kind of standoff between Ripley and the alien. I don't know enough about space, but I feel like everything she does in this scene wouldn't really work very well. But it works for movie purposes, so I guess that gets the job done, right? It's weird.
1: The suit that she gets into looks just like a padded thing, and you would think if you open the airlock, you're that's not gonna that's not gonna help you very much. But I guess it's only open for a very very limited amount of time, and the alien gets incinerated in the engine, and the M- Nostromo has a big nuclear explosion that takes care of the entire ship, and it 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 is this huge explosion and i don't know how many if we've said it but with the set design the effects in this movie the practical effects even that part where it looks you can tell it's like a matte painting or something some kind of it it still looks really good like even it's very convincing even today i think
0: yeah this is a very satisfying ending and it's also kind of like it's questionable as far as like how it's executed like i don't think that's how space works but whatever. The other thing that's really good about this, and I know we got a whole franchise off of this, but this movie, if this ended the way it did, that was just the end, period. Nothing else. It'd be arguably a better movie, but it'd also be an extremely satisfying ending. Like, I wouldn't feel like there was any loose ends tied up. I wouldn't feel like there was anything that was missing or necessarily needed to be added. I have seen the director's cut of this, and there is a scene in that that I like a lot that's not in the theatrical, where before the big alien reveal... When Brett's just kind of walking around the space bondage room, there's just a, it's like a one second shot of the Xenomorph, like fully bulked up and whatnot. And it's just standing there staring at him. It's one of those like blink and you miss it scenes, but it's a really cool little ad that almost, I don't know. I like it better, but I can see why they took it out too, because it kind of plays on the getting the big reveal. It's almost like teasing beforehand, but I thought it was a cool kind of ominous menacing shot. There's not really a whole ton to like critique on this. Is there anything that you don't like about this movie? No, I mean it's it is 2 hours, so but I do feel like it kind of plays
1: faster than that. It doesn't feel like 2 hours. I like that they really hold on to the reveal of the full thing. You know, you see him in in little sections or you see him kind of in parts. You don't see as the whole monster design really until near the end. And I think you obviously see him in the escape pod kind of sequence with the strobing light. I think that's a cool, a cool look because it's like strobe lights always seem like they add a little bit of extra creepiness to everything. And he's kind of getting out of that crevice in or the, seizure. Yeah. He's getting out of that little crevice of the shit of the escape pod in this kind of strobed, I don't know, the strobed light. So it makes it adds to that creepiness factor of realizing that there's this full grown eight foot monster that's inside this escape pod with Sigourney Weaver, who is what, like maybe five, six, maybe 130 pounds soaking wet. So it's it's a real cool juxtaposition. And and I think that without being able to see the full monster, it really continues to ratchet up a lot of the tension because you're not quite sure where it can appear. It's dark, it's shiny. So it really mixes in well with a lot of the backgrounds of the movie, a lot of the sets. So it's hard to see. And like you said, if it's Sometimes it can be a little bit of a blink and you miss it, and I was—I really felt myself in this viewing, really pixel peeping in a way to be like, okay, is am I going to see it in the background of some scene that I that I'd never noticed before? So I I think it it does a really good job of of just like I said, ratcheting up that tension to add to the the freakiness of the whole thing.
0: Ready for hot dogs? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so for me, this movie—I mean, this is. About as iconic as any other movie in the genre, be it sci-fi or horror, it's not my favorite of either of those genres, but again, you can't you cannot argue or deny the impact that this film has had on cinema as a whole, let alone horror and sci-fi jaws in space sure it's it plays to a lot of those same themes it's I would say it's not as like comical or fun as that there's not as many like breaths of air but I think that actually works this movie's favor. The only negatives I have with this movie really have nothing to do with this movie as a whole. It has more to do with personal preference, like I like the sequel a little bit more, stuff like that, so I can't really hold that against it. This is just a beautiful like disaster that is put into this little two-hour package that I usually hate movies that creep on two hours, and this one moves really well. It does not feel like a two-hour hour watch. I'd give this a solid eight, Cats out of ten hot dogs. If you have somehow not seen this movie, one, I'm sorry, we probably ruined it for you. But if you haven't seen this movie, just go buy it. Don't even wherever you, however you buy things, just buy it. It's worth picking it up. Yeah, and then go watch at least the second one. You can probably stop after three and four if you don't, if you're not totally hooked. But yeah, the, this one is it's a
1: classic. And just to mention, you can rent this on pretty much all the different streaming services for about four bucks and four K you can buy it for five for five across multiple platforms. And if you have like Fubu, Fubu, Fubo, Hulu, stars, direct TV streaming, it's already included in there. So it's not a hard one to get your, get your grubby little fingers on for me, for hot dogs. As I mentioned, a lot of this kind of my wrap up here is a lot of stuff I've already said. I'd seen the movie a lot by the time the 25th anniversary release came out in 2004. And I think with that viewing, it really cemented this movie in my head as being pretty much one of my favorite movies. It's genre defining sci-fi horror, really hard, heavy on the on the sci-fi, which I like and just happens to be horror, which is always a bonus. The atmosphere, the industrial grunginess of the ship, the design of the Xenomorph, how quiet everything is, and that whole space trucker vibe really just got its hooks into me. It's going into the set design again on the ship. Everything looks industrial. On the planet, everything's really wet and organic, so it's there's just a lot of variation on the ship and between the sets. It's got a very distinct look. It's like almost like if you think of Star Wars, all the different ships have these kind, this kind of lived-in sci-fi kind of look to them. I, the thing about the, this, movie, the original ones, not, yes, not yeah, the yeah ones. not the the new ones are a little too slick. But I think just the way that the movie ratchets up the the tension, just when you think they're out of the woods, another thing happens that adds more tension. I feel like this is a a movie that any movie fan should see, not just horror or sci-fi fans, but just any movie fan in general. There's a lot of things that you could that you could learn from watching a movie like this, or if you're into film or making films, I think this is a real kind of gold standard of that type of film. I got to give alien nine and a half milk spewing androids out of 11 hot dogs. It just really is. It's one of my favorite movies. I I don't watch it as much as I probably should, but I think, you know, I think it's got a lot of great qualities to it. Is that the highest score you've given a a movie? I I think it is. I think evil dead was pretty close. Evil dead rise. And I think that's, we've watched yeah. so many really great movies this year. But yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is like in my top five.
0: That's fair. I, I can't argue that. Yeah. I have, I can't argue it. I have no argument. You're right. <laughs> Case closed. Glad I won you over. Case closed. Enough of hearing us bullshit. What do you think about sci fi movies? What do you think about the uh, horror movies and all this stuff? We had a question of the week, and our question of the week this week is what is your gold standard sci-fi movie and why kind of open-ended but take it however you want with it our friend boomer over at podcast in the woods said aliens which is the sequel which i prefer slightly more than the original it's action-packed and colorful with memorable characters it has a tight story and still manages to be really scary in bits plus it has one of the best lines in the entire franchise which he's referring to the get away from where you bitch line. oh i thought you were gonna say game over man game over i like that line more <laughs> but <laughs> I think both are pretty uh, uh pretty great. Our buddies over at Dissect That Film said Alien, which is the one that we're talking about. Just for clarification purposes, what do I really have to say about this one? It's science fiction perfection. Again, can't really argue too much with them. The Rick Flair podcast. Wait, what? No. <laughs> The Rick player of podcasts, a.k.a. the Krusty Boys are chiming in and they're saying, I think Event Horizon is pretty dope. Hellraiser in space. What's not to like? Also, I haven't seen it in 10 years or so. So maybe I'm wrong. I haven't seen that in like 10 years either. So I don't know if he's right or wrong. Yeah, it's been a while for me. Let's see. So M Mackenzie 73 said upgrade, which I don't know this movie. I don't think I've seen this. Uh, but he's saying it has one of the best movie endings in modern sci-fi. So I guess maybe we'll have to watch that. Let's see. So the real Pete, with several E's, added three movies in here. They He said Starship Troopers, The Thing, or Annihilation. Doesn't give reason, though. And I don't know which one Annihilation is. Annihilation, you know
1: yeah, it's got um, Natalie Portman in it. It's like they investigate this like radioactive field. They're recruited for this mission. It's, I think it came out in 2019 or 2020, and it's been on some streaming services. It's got Oscar Isaac and a few other people. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty good cast.
0: Amber, which is at great underscore Scott. She said, Men in Black, it balances humor and sci-fi perfectly. The characters are insanely likable, which keeps you invested until the end. You know, I haven't seen that in a really long time, but I do remember liking it quite a bit when the first one came out. And I think a lot of that had to do with Tommy Lee Jones, just kind of being Tommy Lee Jones. I didn't really like the sequels, though, which kind of made me stop watching the first one, (laughs) Um, but could be due for a rewatch. Pearl at Pissy Face X said, if it's not the thing, don't fucking talk to me. John Carpenter's use of practical effects was awesome. The story was great. The acting was great. The use of music to create tension and suspense was great. I could go on and on. Such a rad movie. I I don't have any argument with any of that. We would not complain about that one. No. Let's see. Real underscore freak said... These are all on Twitter, by the way, so you could at Or X or whatever it is now. Real underscore freak said it's going to be... Uh, Dead Even between Carpenter's The Thing and the original Planet of the Apes for me. I'm glad to hear someone bring up Planet of the Apes because that is... It is a really great classic movie and I have not watched it in a long time. I really need to go back and do it again for some reason. Not for some reason, for an obvious reason, because it's a great movie. Uh, Darth Freud just added a gif of Sharknado, so works. Let's see. Two Guys and some horror. They included a gif from Blade Runner, so more Ridley Scott, which... I don't really have a lot of argument against that either. That's another fantastic movie. And then uh, Cinema Medicine Podcast at Cinema Medicine said Planet of the Apes is incredible. It feels so otherworldly, and the score by Jerry Goldsmith is perfect. That's it. We've had a couple people
1: mention Planet of the Apes. Have you seen any of the new Apes series? Not the Tim Burton one, but the the one since with James saw Franco that one starting? Too.
0: Yeah, I saw that one. I saw I saw. They made three of those, right? Aside from the Tim Burton one. Yeah,
1: I think it's three or three. Yeah.
0: I saw all of them except the
1: last one, whichever. Oh, you got to see that. Yeah, that's a really good one. That whole series is really good. Surprisingly, very good.
0: That whole series, even the original, I think, six movies they did or something like that. They're all actually pretty entertaining. And granted, they get a little more schlocky as you go through the movies. But I, I don't know. I've been a fan of that franchise for a long time. All our answers this week did come off of Twitter. So, again, each one of those uh, usernames, go ahead and give them a follow. Tell them that we sent you. Whatever you want to do. Sean, what's your answer to the question of the week?
1: I think it has to be Alien for me. Alien, I mean, it had a lot of really good responses to the question of the week. I think The Thing, definitely kind of a genre-defining movie. Aliens, I really do enjoy Aliens a lot. This, I, I can appreciate the differences between Alien and Aliens. They're kind of almost totally different genres. They're both sci-fi, but one's like kind of a genre-defining sci-fi horror. The other one's a genre defining sci-fi action movie. So yeah, I would say those three movies would probably be my top three of like kind of gold standard sci-fi. For me,
0: I would go with Terminator 2. Oh yeah. Which I was surprised no one else brought up, but I feel like that movie... I understand that they undid it and ruined what I'm about to say. But that movie was written so well and tied everything up so perfectly for that story. Schwarzenegger is at the top of his game. Linda Hamilton is fantastic in that movie. Just every single scene in that movie is... They've made Edward Burlong somewhat likable (laughs) in that movie. Obviously, this is before he had all his problems, but just every single scene in that movie is practically iconic in itself. It's such a creepy, realistic story, which is probably going to be like our real life in the next 10 years. To me is everything you could say about the thing or about, well, maybe not the same type of monster, I guess, but everything you could say that we've liked about the thing that we've liked about Alien and a lot as far as why these movies work i could almost apply to terminator aside from the fact that it's not that kind of horror movie like you see the bad guy the whole time but the way it's written the way the story is told it's flawless storytelling in my opinion and i i also think it's james cameron's best film so yeah that'd be my answer i wore a
1: t2 shirt in high school like i felt like every day (laughs) i was yeah I i don't even think i saw the movie i got the shirt before i saw the movie but the movies I really, yeah, I really enjoyed i I watched that recently within the last couple of
0: years and still really enjoyed it it, it still holds up the eff- it, like alien like the thing, like any of these classic movies, the effects still look good, and there's things that you can see are dated, I'm sure, but they hold up just fine. I don't know that's the thing about classic film is that it it doesn't matter, it just keeps on going. yeah anything else we want to kind of hit on with this, or there is a new. Planet of the Apes movie in development, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes,
1: set for release in 2024 with William H Macy. Seems unlikely at this point, but okay.
0: Yeah, well, hey, you know, like I said, I do want to mention if you want more talk about Alien, go check out our friends at Let's Let's Talk Horror. BP did a great episode about this as well, where he talks with Boomer from Podcasts in the woods and that's worth your time also in the meantime if you would like to follow us on socials and all that type of stuff we are at dewey Podmonster pretty much everywhere that you can find us x twitter threads instagram facebook whatever just that's where we post question of the week so if you want your question answered that's the best place to do it is follow us on one of those social medias and we will put it out there you can also find all our previous episodes at crap.town And they're available on streaming platforms too. And then we have a YouTube channel, which you should probably follow also, which is also at Dewey Podmonster. Also, 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 John, what do you got going on?
1: If you want your question answered to the answer of the question of the week, you can answer the question of the week on X, formerly known as Twitter or Instagram or whatever other social media networks at Dewey Podmonster, as John mentioned. You can also find my Michigan beer exploits at youtube.drafttherapy.com. Or you can follow me on social networks at
0: draft therapy. Glad I'm not the only one who's circling the drain as far as his words are concerned. So <laughs> All right. That's all we got for this week. So we will be back next week with some more stuff. I got a feeling it probably won't be as good a movie as this, but we'll talk about it anyway. Until then, we will talk to you on socials and other places and have a great week.